When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Stevens, I'm going to start this podcast without the mask on. But there's a rule here at Scotiabank Arena. You don't have your mask on, then a security guard's going to come up and look at you and demand that it goes back on. So if I am scrambling to put it back on, that means that that is what happened and I'm in a little bit of trouble. But uh, I'm not going to be the only one in trouble because the Maple Leafs, after one loss in this restart, are in a lot of trouble. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, obviously, but it's been a while since we've spoken. So let's get a quick update. Your hair looks fantastic. That's obviously one thing that has improved over the last four months. Is there anything else that you want to note? I just want to say mid-season form with that transition right there, with that segue. Just chef's kiss, beautiful. Um, yeah, on, on a personal note, nothing really. I mean, I haven't improved much as a person in, in quarantine. Uh, you know, I've, you know, other than that, it's been, I've, I've just been waiting for hockey, and it was just every game but this has been, uh, has been great. It's been worth the wait. This one, though, whew, it was, it was come, quite a letdown. Come on, you're being modest. I'm seeing you're running like a marathon a day. You've obviously ah. been using your time wisely. And you said that it's going to be the last uh, podcast in your little apartment there because you're moving on to bigger and better things. Please be boastful a little bit, Mike. Okay, well, yeah, no, I, it's, it's going to be good. If, you, if you're watching the video version of this, um, and when, when Cuthbert and I were doing our, uh, our COVID pods, you can see you know, my Kendrick Lamar poster in the background and some of the paraphernalia. I'm going to have a big boy apartment now. I'm going to have you know, a, a, a live, not live, laugh, lease, but a live, laugh, love sign behind me. You know, maybe a, a you know, it's wine o'clock kind of kind of thing thing there. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a grown up now. I think it's I think we've we've turned into a new era of mature Mike. Um, no more yelling, no more uh, screaming. Uh, just Zen, you know, Zen talk about taxes. It's gonna be great. I mean, we talk about uncles all the time on this podcast, but you're leaning right into the ant with those uh, you know those signs that you can get at home sense just to put up. I think it's gonna look great in your in your new digs. But we've wasted enough time already. Uh, talking about nonsense because the, the lights are them. off. <laughs> am I am I dark now? I guess, no, no. I just noticed that, see me. that the ring I mean, lights just got turned off. There's a very real possibility that I get kicked out at some at some point. If not being told to put my mask on, I might be just told, you know, you have to leave. So let's definitely get into the game now. It's the biggest game of the Leaf season. It happened on August second, I believe it is. I'm, I, you know, it, time has it been a construct during this entire during this entire uh, little mm-hmm. stretch in our lives. But uh, the Maple Leafs lost two nothing. Uh, in their first game of the play-in series against Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, this was always going to go one or two ways, I thought. It would be sort of that disastrous uh, opening game, which I think we saw. I mean, that was pretty disastrous, if we're being honest with ourselves. Or it would be like a really clean, uh, easy victory over the Blue Jackets that would, that would get everybody really hyped up. Obviously, it went with the former. This was pretty bad. How bad was it really? Okay. 
I think I think there it's it, we gotta quantify this a little bit. Like I think the things and we'll we'll break it down, but the things that I was worried about most were actually the things that kind of um I, were were a little bit uh, were more solid in this game. Like I was the most the, the biggest X factor here that I was the wor- most uh, not most worried about. I was worried about the most was Frederick Anderson. I thought that he was gonna have a, a really bad showing. He was a little shaky against the Habs in the the play-in game, and 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 he was. He didn't look great in the House Divided series. I mean, you were there. You saw it. That was kind of a topic of conversation around there. But he was fantastic, aside from the one goal that was scored all game that was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rough, bit of a rough go. If, and, you know, at the end of the day, like, maybe the Leafs shouldn't be giving up 15, you know, chances off the rush every period uh, for Anderson to stop. But he was fantastic. On the other hand, I mean, like, th- this was, this was just, just not a great showing. This is, this is exactly kind of what uh, I think what a lot of fans thought thought was going to happen in the sense that this is a team that starts slow. This is a team that needs to ramp up and this is a five game series. There's no time to waste. There's no, there's no runway here for you to kind of get your legs under here. You're jumping onto a treadmill and it's already maxed out. And the Leafs, they, I, I wouldn't say they completely, you know, tripped and, and got zoomed into a wall, but it was pretty close. This was, this is a Columbus Blue Jackets team that yes, is coached very well. Yes. They try really, really hard and their forecheck's amazing. We're going to get into all that. But the, this is a Leafs team that has so much offensive firepower, so much talent, and so much money on their books too, that they should be able to just be—they should be able to 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 skill their way through this team on, on even on their worst night. And they they got you know they got completely shut down. And it was if this is how the series is going to play out. I mean, obviously the the result is going to be great, but there are going to be some serious questions being asked about this team. That's see, that's the most difficult thing is. There's no precedence for what's going on here, obviously. But we have seen the Leafs lose in the way they lost tonight in that same type of fashion the last two, maybe three playoffs. And obviously a lot has changed over the course of those three years and those three disappointments. But if the same thing happens again, obviously we're going to be writing those same stories and having those same conversations about how this team is built. Uh, I was sort of, I there's a little feeling of dread that came over me when I came to the rink today because I felt like, this could easily play out exactly how it has played out in, in previous seasons. And it, because that's how the Columbus Blue Jackets want to play. This is exactly, we knew what they were going to bring to the table and they executed it just as uh, we know they were, they were capable of doing. So, I mean, this was really, this, they, the Columbus Blue Jackets are in a, in a way, the Bruins light. Mm-hmm. And now the Maple Leafs are matching up against the Bruins light just to get into the playoffs and in another potential matchup with the Boston Bruins, although they had their dreams of having the number one seed uh, dashed a little bit with their loss to the Philadelphia Flyers today. I mean, this is everything that could concern Leaf fans coming to this game uh, played, it, played itself out exactly that way. And obviously this is a shorter series, so there's even less time to turn it around. Um, but all of a sudden, this is a comp- the, the situation is critical for the Maple Leafs, and uh, they have to turn this around immediately, or it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of time waiting for absolutely nothing to change. I mean, you're you're 100 right. Like the very rarely is a team built like there's there's been so much analysis and lead up to the series, and very rarely is a team build. Um, a certain way and then they come out in game one and they're exactly the way that that they're built you know there's the whole misconception not misconception I'll say but I say the Bruins kind of get a little too much um, um, credit for being this you know big heavy physical team when they do have a very skilled kind of lineup but the Blue Jackets they were like they're going to bore you to death they're going to forecheck the crap out of you they're going to play a very regimented structured kind of kind of style 
and they're essentially going to lull the Leafs to sleep. And, and, you know, and everyone was like, okay, well, you know, the Leafs can skill their way through. You know, the, the Blue Jackets were it, like, the Blue Jackets are who, are who we thought they were, and the Leafs let them off the hook. You know, it, 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 was, it was the most boring hockey game I think I've watched. The most boring game, ho- hockey game I've watched in months, but that's exactly how the Blue Jackets drew it up. They, they played their system and their style to a T, and it worked completely. I agree with you for most of that, but I think there is one exception, and that's their top five guys. Yes, everybody mm-hmm. else can bore you to death, but what happened right out of the bat, or right out of the shoot tonight, was the Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets willing to match their best five players, or their, or you know, their best, uh, their their most reliable pair and their uh, top offensive line one on one against each other, five men versus five men. And what happened was the Blue Jackets completely owned that matchup. Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski were clearly way better than anyone else the Leafs could throw against them in in that position. They were dominant in this game, and they shut down Austin Matthews. They made Zach Hyman look like, uh, you know, the player that doesn't doesn't have the ability to to turn his sort of limited skill set into something much bigger. They took away Zach Hyman. You don't take away Zach Hyman. They did that tonight. Uh, So they immediately got away from that, the Leafs did. They tried to mix it up after they were getting simply – overrun by that five-man unit so if they can have we, we talked about the talent discrepancy in this series if they can make up for that with their top guys uh, uh just being better than the maple leafs top guys then the leafs are in a lot of trouble oh yeah like every speaking of hyman like the the thing that came to my mind was that every blue jacket four checks as hard as like zach hyman would if you stole his dog and he was trying to get it back like it was like they, it's it's a team of zach hyman's you know, the, a maybe, lot maybe guys, that's why Zach Hyman didn't look like Zach Hyman because there was 30 other Zach Hyman's. Well, 30 is a bit of a stretch. 10 other Zach Hyman's on the ice doing Zach Hyman things. And uh, we know Zach Hyman, when he's Zach Hyman, can be effective. Exactly. Like they, they, this was, it was like, you know, he was, it, it was the Spider-Man meme, except there's 15 other dudes pointing at one guy. And, you know, like it's, it, this was a, the physical nature. I hate to be, you know, play, I'm playing into the uncle stereotype now, given, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm moving up in the world, I guess, when it comes to residences, is that the Leafs absolutely were um, out-toughed in this game, or out-muscled, I'd say. You know, Matthews got, and it was funny because they're buds, but Matthews got absolutely stapled into the boards by, by, by Rowenski. There were so, Nick Robertson, he, I think he played a great game, we're going to get into him. But Nick Robertson got I, – I, I, he spent more time, you know, on the ice and, uh, you know, on his back or on his knees or something than he did, you know, standing up. Uh, this, was a, this was a game, you know, I didn't see anything from, from tough guys like Kyle Clifford or even a big body like Frederick Gauthier. And, you know, you're never going to see really physicality from him. But still, like this was – like the Columbus Blue Jackets, they really took it physically to the Leafs. They didn't have an answer. And when the Leafs were interrupted in, the, in their skill game, which they absolutely were, you know, they, they, they don't really have an answer to a team that really tries to play them physically. Um, their their answer is skill, and they got neutralized in that regard. So yeah, this was if, if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, and I know they're you know all three of you guys out there. Uh, this is you you need you should be as happy as as a clam after watching this game. I mean this is this was exactly how you guys drew it up. And if you're a Leafs fan, I'm you know I haven't even looked at Twitter uh, since we started recording, thankfully, because uh, I'm a you haven't looked at Twitter yet. Uh, well, I did I did a little bit after the game, and then I saw. I saw some you did stuff. see you did see the Matthews mic drop though, right? I did see the Matthews mic drop. Okay, because if, if if you hadn't iconic. seen that, then we, we can't just gloss over that. We'll get to that later, uh, obviously, because uh, that's just a small detail. But uh, we do have to start with this game at some point, and I think the Let's biggest thing is that for me, the Big Four, looking at them as a as a collective, that was the most ineffectual game in a mm-hmm. big game that I've seen from them in this entire era. 
I mean, the the John Tavares Mitch Marner unit was they were ghosts out there. Austin Matthews had his moments, but he had no support from William Nylander and Zach Hyman on that line. It was not a good night for basically the entire top six, with the exception of Austin Matthews, uh, in spurts. I guess I don't even think he was particularly good. But I mean, I asked Sheldon Keefe after the game. Uh, I asked him about John Tavares and Mitch Marner in particular, just because he had answered questions already about Austin Matthews. And he said, he mentioned that Matthews had this really tough matchup with Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, and that's a reason why, you know, they didn't get going. But then he also said, yeah, John Tavares and Mitch Marner, they have a tough matchup against Gavrikov and Savard. And yeah, that might be true. I guess these guys are reasonably good defensemen. But when you have $40 million invested in four players and they spread across, across two lines, you have to start making your own matchups and the, the, it is inexcusable for John Tavares and Mitch Marner to not create any separation tonight. Uh, I don't know what happened there, uh, but if they don't get going, the Leafs are not going to uh, – it's not going to bode well for them in this series. That's such a defeatist attitude. Like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You have Mitch Marner and John Tavares. Like, they're, they're what, $22 million between them or something? Like, they, they, should, they should be making, like you said, their own matchups. This plays into what plagues the Leafs all the times that they play down to their opponents. They don't set the tone. When, you're, when, you have, when you have the money on the books, the skill on, in your lineup, the team that you have at least on paper, you should be setting the tone of the game. Teams should be playing up to you. You should be the boogeyman that comes into town and, go, and, and everyone goes, okay, well, well, the Leafs are playing tonight. Like We got we to gotta give our A game for them. We got to play up. But it seems like every time the, the, you know, the Leafs play a team that's, that's either you know, that, that's better than them, they play up to that standard. But every time they play a team like the Blue Jackets, who are just like in, in a normal circumstance, kind of ho-hum, normal team, they, they shut you down, they're boring. You know, they're, they're good for a playoff round or two, I guess, maybe on, on a good day. They play down to it. There's no reason why when you have John Tavares and Mitch Marner on the same line, you should be saying, oh, yeah, but their matchup with David Savard and Gabrikov, I don't even know what, who Gabrikov's first name is. I thought they were saying Gabrik on the broadcast for a second. And I was, and I was going, wait a, wait a minute, he's not a defenseman, and, he's re- and I'm pretty sure he's retired. Is he? I don't even know. He might be a, a send still. I, who, who knows? But it, Senators are definitely still paying him. Yeah, they have to. Well, not not paying him, but the money is on their books. They're definitely yeah. not paying him. Pay, paying him, yeah. Okay. Pay, paying him, yeah. But it's the fact, like Mitch Marner, for example, this was this was maybe the most ineffective I've ever seen him tonight. John Tavares as well, but there was a point in the game where I was honestly like, is was Mitch Marner playing tonight? He had 20, he had over, and this is the thing, the, com, the, the complaint, you know, uh, Matthews especially, but, but with Marner a bit as well, the complaint was, you know, we're, the, we're our best, you know, we're the best players on the team. You need to play us in your most high leverage moments. Well. Mitch Marner got 20 minutes, over 20 minutes of ice time tonight. He had zero shots, two hits, and a block. And that's it. He didn't really it's, do it, it. It is remarkable that he played over 20 minutes because it, very rarely was he noticeable at all. Now, who did play a lot of minutes and a guy that Leaf fans have been clamoring for to be given minutes, uh, big minutes in playoff games, is Austin Matthews, if we talked mm-hmm. about it all uh, uh, already, obviously. Um, but I thought it was a bit of a curious decision to just – completely empty the tank with Matthews now it's I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth because now I'm criticizing Sheldon Keefe for playing Austin Matthews too much but we are four four and a half months since their last game right we were it's been a long time and and Matthews was the guy who got to camp or got to Toronto a little bit late and hasn't had the chance to ramp up like conditioning was still a thing until the week uh, you know, leak the last week of training camp. So I was a little he surprised. Had coronavirus. That they went, I was surprised that they went him to him that much because yeah, the situation dictated it. Um, but there was other guys who were playing well. 
And that the best line for the Maple Leafs tonight, I thought, was the third line. And they didn't play all that much. Alexander Kerfoot looked fantastic in this game. Nick Robertson did not look out of place. Kasperi Kapanen looked dangerous at times as well. I think, although I want to see Matthews play as much as possible, certainly in big games, and I'm not going to knock them for, for putting him out on the ice for 25 minutes, maybe take a little bit from Marner, though, because that third line was better than the second line. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a you're 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 damned if you do, damned if you don't sort sort of thing. And I don't want to be that guy who criticizes one way and then goes back the other way. But four and a half months off, like not in not in game shape, fine. But not you know I've been playing every other night for the last six months type of shape. Uh, and Matthews maybe wasted a little bit of time in those shifts because, uh, you know, he he did look to me a little bit tired and it looked like he played 25 minutes, frankly. Uh, I would have loved to see a little bit more of that third line because I just thought they were really good. You know, I I, I, I kind of see where you're coming from there, but at the same time, I mean, I'm I'm all for just, just I'd much rather double down on your stars than, you know, maybe try and give that third line a little bit more. I think what they're supposed to be, is like that secret weapon, like that extra level, that extra wave of, of forces that come over the bench when you've already had to deal with the Matthews line and the Marner line. And then you go, oh, crap, now we got to deal with these guys, the fastest third line in the league, basically. Um, but they did look fantastic, and, and, and I hope they do get more minutes. But this, this lineup, I mean, it's like a Jenga tower, right? And when you, when you take out the, the foundational blocks of the Marner line, the Marner and, and Tavares and Mikheyev line, which, by the way, where did the hype go? Like, they, they, they look fantastic in training camp. They, 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 can, they basically single-handedly beat the, the Canadians in the exhibition game. And then they just, what, disappeared when the puck drops on, a, on an actual real-life hockey game? Like, it's, that's just very typical this season, Leafs, is that they just disappear when, when the moment's right. They, can, they, they look great, you know, in, in, in practice. They're doing all these fancy things. And then right away, it's boop, poof, where'd they go when the spotlights turn on? But, um, yeah, I'm hoping they get they get a little bit more. But when you take out that when you take out that that Jenga piece, the tower is going to fall down because then you have you know you're, you're heaping more responsibility on. It. And this is also the problem when you have a fourth line that has a guy like Gauthier on it. You can't rely on to play above his you know to to punch above his weight class at all um, because you can't heap that fourth line with any more minutes. You can't you can't there can't be that trickle down effect of okay, well you take a little bit off the plate of the second line, you give it to the third line, which then you know kind of like the rising tide raises all boats and everything it's 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 just a really messy situation they need they need their stars to to play as they need their stars to pull their weight they are the foundation of this team especially of this forward core which is supposed to be the strength of the roster and if they're not if they're not on then like especially if that foundational line is not on i mean this this lineup crumbles yeah, I mean, there's obviously a big difference in how the ice time was allocated. And, and I think that's the situation dictated that, sure. But I guess my compromise would be, okay, you're seeing Kerfoot going, you're seeing Kapanen going, you're seeing Robertson going. Maybe maybe you're trying to get Matthews in for a shift with two mm -hmm. of those guys at some point, just to oh, keep yeah. everybody a little bit more fresh and not to keep putting Zach Hyman out there when clearly uh, he, it was just an uncharacteristically bad night for him, uh, in, in my opinion. So uh, maybe a little bit, I love all for Matthews playing more minutes, little surprised that now is when you really go to the well on that. But obviously that's, you know, it is, it is a do or die situation for them. Um, but you're right. It go, it kind of stem goes back to the fourth line and the fact I don't know what the numbers were, but they barely played in this game, uh, and they weren't just you know playing an invisible like Mitch Marner at times. They just didn't see the ice at all. And you'd think 
by replacing Pierre Engvall with Nick Robertson, you wouldn't have that issue as much because you want to get Clifford some ice time. You want to get Spez out there because he can make a difference sometimes. Uh, you, uh, the, the expectation was that they trimmed the fat a little bit with Pierre Engvall being out and going with Nick Robertson, but it se- still seemed like it, it was just a total imbalance with the Leafs lineup today. What also disappointed me as well is just how predictable the Leafs were. And I mean, this has been a problem that we've talked about, you know, ad nauseum is, is the power play. And I mean, Paul McFarlane's leaving. So that's, that's, you know, a positive sign. But Columbus, you could tell they knew exactly what the Leafs were going to do on the power play. They knew they were going to try and get it to Matthews in the one-time spot. They had telegraphed it right away. And the worst part was they let them do it a couple of times. They let them give it to Matthews because they knew we're just going to put like three guys in front of him. He's going to do nothing. They clogged up. They know that the Leafs try and do the set play where they, where they, they do the, the tip in from the slot after a pass from the half wall. So they just took away the slot completely. It, it's, this was a, this was it just, it just kind of gave me, you know, Vietnam flashbacks to, to a Babcockian system with the, with the uh, um, what's it called? Uh, like floater pass out of the zone. And that like, there was no on the fly kind of mix and matching. There was, there was no, you know, innovation. There was, there was no, um, you know, adapting to your situation and improving from there. It, it was just essentially, you know, we're going to try this over and over and over and over and over again, and maybe it'll work at some point. And it didn't. And to your point with, with, you know, trying to get Matthew some, some, uh, some minutes with Robertson, they had the new, they pulled out the nuclear option with the Marner Matthews Tavares line twice, um, it, once in the first period and then a couple times in, in later in the third period. Why not? I mean, you have enough forwards. Why not try and make and, and put together another nuclear option with you know a Nylander Robertson and maybe Kerfoot or a you know Nylander Robertson and then you maybe double shift Matthews on that line. Like you have the ability to to mix and match and really try to get some things going here and really flex that offensive muscle that you have. And I don't think, and, and I'm, a, I'm a fan of how Sheldon Keefe coaches. Um, I think he's done a really good job of, of actually playing this team to its strengths. But he, it just seemed like there were some opportunities tonight for him to, act, to use the might that he has at his disposal, and he didn't really do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the situation dictated that something new had to come into, in, a new variable had to come into play at some point. I mean, they tried it with, you know, stacking their big lines after, you know, doing what they normally do, stacking mm-hmm. after, after penalties and so on and so forth. But it was very clear right from the beginning, really, that this team needed a spark somewhere. Something had to happen to get them going. We've seen, you know, seven or eight, I don't know how many, how many games that uh, led into this one, but we've seen a lot of action, a lot of spirit. Uh, I mean, the first game between the Rangers and Carolina here at Scotiabank Arena was immediately, it was like they were trying to prove to themselves that this was the playoffs and we need to get going now with mm-hmm. big hits, fights, a lot of stuff going on early. This one felt more like those exhibition games that we saw, obviously, in the, in the week leading up to tonight. Um, and the Leafs just seemed to never find that spark that they so clearly needed. Now, it's called Live Laugh Leafs. It's still going to mm-hmm. be about the Leafs first and foremost. But we are going to be touching on the other storylines going on in the NHL during the postseason here. And who knows, the Leafs might not be lasting very long. So it's going to be exclusively other content potentially uh, by this time next week. But uh, there's still the Leafs are you know they're still in the series. It's not over yet, and we're gonna and we're gonna touch on more headlines here. But I just want to uh, put it out to you that we are gonna run out of time on Leafs. So what else do we need to talk about with this game that we just watched before we move on to a couple other things that happened in other game ones around the NHL? Well, I have some lineup decisions I wanna I wanna run by you. I mean, like I just thought 
there, there's a lot of room for improvement clearly with this game. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to learn and grow from what you saw and, and really, really try and, uh, and, and play mad scientist here. And there were some things that really stood out to me that I, that I think the Leafs need to improve on. And number one, um, not number one in terms of importance, but number one that, that I put down on this, uh, on this Google Doc that's in front of me um, was uh, Barry and Dermot as a pairing. Um, they got burned a couple times. They make me nervous every single time they touch the puck. Um, they're just, oh, I feel like a security guard's coming up. No, keep going, keep going. There, <laughs> okay. there was, there was, but keep going. <laughs> I can tell the side eye. Um, it's like we, have, we have to have a little communication with our eyes, but you keep talking. Like, oh, we're, I'm good? Yeah. No, keep um, going, keep going. I'll tell you no, when you can. Uh, but yeah, Barry, Barry Dermott was rough. It, they, they, they're both just way too chaotic together. Like they are both, every defense pairing, you know, it, the classic NHL 20 or NHL uh, video games way of, of putting it together is you have a chaotic guy, an offensive guy, and then a, then a de- defensive guy, a responsible guy. And both of them are the chaotic guy. Both of them are a little, you know, a little wacky and wild. And they're, they're always trying to do something crazy. They're always trying to push the play, and which is great. But that that has come and, and bit them many many times, and especially in this game. Do I, I personally, I wouldn't keep them together as a pairing. But then again, that means that everything is going to have to kind of get switched around here, and that all then leads into the fact that Cody Cece had one of his worst games as a Leaf tonight, um, and just simply cannot be. He just cannot be in this lineup for if they're if the Leafs are going to go on a deep playoff run. Like he just he's just not an option. He just can't. This is ridiculous. So what would you do on the back end? I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Because there's there's so many kind of Tetris pieces you got to fix you got to fit in here. How would you refigure this to make it some kind of concoction that can counter with the with the Blue Jackets? See, if you asked me this a month ago, I probably would have given you a different answer. But the Leafs have spent the last six weeks getting to this point, right? And what they've mm-hmm. done in the last six weeks, they were one of the they were. I, I wrote a whole, whole column about how they're trying to uh, make their own advantages. And one of the advantages, the, probably the main advantage they believe they had, is they got everybody in on the first day that practice facilities could open on, I believe it was June 8th. And what they had is coordinated workouts. They had five-man units all together, working out, conditioning, building that chemistry back. And who was, who was together? CeCe and Morgan Riley, and Dermot and Barry, and Muzzin and Hall. So for the last six weeks, they've been trying – they, 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 they made their decision then is what I'm trying to say. They made their decision then and they've build, been building up to this point. Yes, there's room for experiment, experimentation mid-game, but they've been doing this and they've been working on it for six weeks. I just feel like there's no other option but to try and make it work because if you make a change now and there's a learning curve, I mean, this series is already going to be over. So yeah, this wouldn't have been the lineup that I would have chose, but now that they put all this work in six weeks later, changing it now I just don't feel like that's the right move how much worse honestly would a struggling Rasmus Sandin be than Cody sees he was in this game I mean I'm a little surprised I'm a little surprised he wasn't really given a chance in training camp honestly yeah you heard nothing about him you were there like was there any buzz around Rasmus Sandin no it's it, it was clear they made up their mind uh, it, I mean, obviously, a lot of the tension went to Nick Robertson because he was clearly the one that was getting these opportunities. Like, it wasn't really hard to see what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They had they had a pretty good grasp of what they were going to do. There was one there was one competition at camp it was Pierre Engvall versus Nick Robertson, and you, it was easy to read the tea leaves. I mean, they did not really entertain the thought it seemed of playing Rasmus Sandin at all. They didn't even dress him in the exhibition game. Instead, going with Martin Marincin, which tells you that they they're pretty. Uh, if if someone's going to come in. It looks like it's probably oh, going to be Marv, God. your favorite eighth defenseman, 
in the in the organization or my favorite eighth defenseman in the organization uh it, it was it was a bit of a head scratcher honestly that Rasmus Sandin wasn't given the shake they've already burned his entry level deal this is a guy that's going to play a huge role down the uh in future years for this team uh but I don't think he's part of the plans here and they're gonna they're gonna dance with who they brought and they brought Cody Cece last summer in a deal with the Ottawa Senators uh and uh I, I assume that he's going to move on eventually this summer uh, but he's going to play a big role, it seems, uh, as long as the Leafs last year. The fact, like, if, if Martin Marincin is, is higher on the totem pole here than, than Rasmus Sandin, I, I sh- shudder to think of what Twitter would be like if, if something happens and they put Marincin in as an injury replacement or something over Sandin. Oh, my God. Like, that, that's going to be crazy. Um, no, yeah, I, the thing is, like, yes, you say there's a learning curve, and I'm I'm – I'm team, you know, I'm staunchly on team. Uh, there is no runway here. You need to, like, you need, there, there's no, you cannot afford a learning curve. You cannot afford any ramp up time. And we, that's been proven here. But um, I just, like, you look at Cody Cece and you don't want to go, like, too crazy here. But you look at it, like, even if you have to keep Barry Dermott together, fine. But you look at Cody Cece. Do you really think that they can, like, I just, I just look at him, I can't imagine him in the Eastern Conference final, for example playing you know 19 20 minutes tonight next to Morgan Riley like it's just it doesn't seem feasible and so you're 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 doubling down on a situation that I think has been pretty much proven to this point cannot work like how is that a smart how is that smart how is that a smart decision yeah I mean they're 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 certainly doubled down I mean they moved away from it like during the you know the latter stages of the season it seemed like they were moving away from that they were minimizing his role as much as possible maybe that an injury that he suffered late would just clear the path for what we believe is an optimized defense core. Um, but they are going to stick with this. And I, and I, as much as I would like to see it the other way, I, I sort of understand why I know their, their process over the six weeks and they seem to see something that we don't because they went out and they acquired him uh, and signed him to a one-year deal with four and a half million dollars. So I believe they're going to have, they're going to live with this decision because they're going to play him. Uh, and then they're probably going to move on. And that's obviously the right thing to do uh, when they get to that point, because $4.5 million can, is better spent elsewhere. Um, okay. We got to move through these a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll get to the goalie battle in game two, because I think we yeah. can agree. Both goalies were very good. Obviously Corpus Allo was a little bit better. Uh, Anderson made one mistake and it cost the Leafs the game uh, in any other, in any other, you know, situation that would just be putting the ball on a tee for you to hit out of the park or <laughs> hit down the fairway, I guess. Um, but uh, I, I think I think you'd agree that Anderson was good enough and Corpus Allo was very good himself. And we'll have that goalie battle discussion uh, at a later date. But I think we should talk about Nick Robertson in his NHL debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might be the first player. Well, I guess there's probably another player that's played uh, already before uh, Robertson here. But his NHL debut coming in a play-in game is, is completely – uh, 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 an original scenario, obviously. Uh, he played uh, just over 10 minutes, 12 minutes, I think, is where he ended up. Uh, he had a really good chance early, and that line, I think, was the best line. And I think what he did is change the entire identity of that line. I think they could be three like-minded players doing like-minded things because they were all sort of the same player where they can, you know, get in on the forecheck really quick. But when it's Pierre Engvall maybe the synergy between them just isn't quite as good. So I, I don't know if Nick Robertson was amazing in his NHL debut. He saw some, some strong things, but I think he might've made Alexander Kerfoot and Casper Kapanen by extension a little bit better in their minutes uh, because he's, he's uh, a better fit for them. 
No, you're 100% right. He makes them into something that Pierre Engvall never can. And I think that, that that is the reason why you keep him in this game. He was the best Leaf in the first period, in my opinion. He, he did wane towards the end of the game, but I thought that he was making plays right off the hop. He was the only Leaf that, uh, right, off, right when the puck dropped, he seemed like the only Leaf that kind of really recognized that it was a playoff game. Like he was, he was the only Leaf that was, that was on that, you know, Justin Williams going to fight someone in the first couple minutes of the game kind of mentality, except Nick Robertson's never going to fight anyone, but he was just making plays all over the place. He was, he was, you know, finishing his checks. I was really, I was really impressed with his forechecking for such a little guy, but he's so quick. He's, he's incredibly skilled. He gives them kind of a, a more of a canvas to work with a guy, for example, like a guy like Casper Kappen, who's a relatively um, one dimensional player having another guy who can, who can maybe is not as fast as him, but can keep up with him um, with, with that speed in Robertson really elevates what he can do and really opens up a lot of more avenues for uh, Kapanen to actually kind of use that speed. He doesn't, when he's, when he's streaking into the zone and Robertson's actually with him instead of trailing, he can, he, Kapanen doesn't have to do the curl and, and, you know, the stop and curl back that, you know, has driven me absolutely insane um, in, in years past. So, yeah, no, I, I thought Robertson was great. I thought that he did, he played 12 and a half minutes. Uh, he did pretty much everything you can expect from him in this game. Um, he didn't hurt the team at all. In fact, he made him better. He was one of the only players who was memorable on the ice for, for long stretches with the Leafs. Um, he, did, he did a good job, I think, is, is what he did. And that's, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much all you're asking for for an 18-year-old guy. And fun fact, he is the first Leaf player who is younger than Martina Ortiz Luis to play, um, to play a game for the, uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is insane because Martina is, you know, she started this gig when she was 15. Uh, as I'm pretty sure as Leafs now she uh, as Leafs anthem singer now she's 18 and Nick Robertson is younger and playing in an, in in a in a game here he's supposed to be you know moving out of his residence um, in first year university uh, at this point and instead he's got the hopes and dreams of Leafs nation on his shoulders so I thought he did a really good job. Well, we knew there was a chance that I would get kicked out of Scotia Bank Arena tonight, and now here I am, continuing this podcast at home. Uh, I actually got kicked out. The, the man was very lovely. The security guard was a very nice man. Uh, but he told me I had to wrap it up. So we're going to continue on this podcast and we're going to segue naturally into NHL topics. But you were talking about Nick Robertson before I got kicked out. And I just want to leave that conversation at this. He's obviously playing game two, right? A hundred percent. He can't. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's not a world we live in, right? Where like Sheldon Keith thinks, oh, you know, we should keep goat in and then put angle. There is, he was not part of the problem. Henceforth, he should stay in. I agree with you completely. He's got to be in, uh, and I think they can build on that, honestly, because, uh, again, if there was one really strong thing, I believe one shining or bright light or whatever from this game, it was the play of that third line. Okay, so we're going to go around the NHL a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some NHL media wars happening right now, and I'll put that on a tee for you to either play t-ball or golf with, whatever your chosen sport is. Um, But we'll do that at the end. Let's let's Mm -hmm. start with uh, something that was obviously very important, uh, uh, with uh, all these sports going into back into sports uh, and all the stuff that has happened since sports were uh, first put on pause. Uh, obviously, it was important for someone to say something in the NHL. And I think we needed a demonstration. We needed some words. And Matt Dumba provided both of those. Uh, he spoke before the Oilers and Blackhawks first game. He took a knee for the American National Anthem. He stood for the Canadian National Anthem, but he says now that he regrets doing that. Uh, and he did raise his fist during the anthems for uh, the Vancouver-Minnesota uh, game uh, tonight or last night. 
Um, just thoughts on what happened with Dumba and how important that was. I'm sure you agree with me uh, that he was the, he was someone who stepped up and and really, I mean, the conversation had started, uh, but he really kickstarted the conversation. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, his, his speech, um, uh, I guess it was last night, uh, his speech before the, the Edmonton game um, was just, it, it, was, it was fantastic. It, you, you put it very perfectly on Twitter where, you know, it was, uh, it was exactly the kind of start that they needed. And it's really, you know what, I, I'm tr- I, I want, there's, there's a, it, it's tough to really kind of discuss this because I want to bring light to the positive kind of impact that he's, that Matt Dumba and all the other, you know, um, all the other uh, uh, black hockey players are, are having because they're, they're, they're being able to stand up and, and really, um, you know, stand up for what, what they believe in and for what is essentially the right thing. But it is, it is also very, very disappointing to see um, that Matt Dumba was raising his fist alone uh, before that game, especially again in a game against the Vancouver Canucks where before pregame, the Canucks put out a funny little joke tweet about how, you know, with a little Venn diagram, that's, you know, all, all the things that, you know, we, we have in common with, uh, with the Minnesota Wild, ha, ha, ha. And there was, like, a little there – was, there was a bunch of, like, you know, novelty things, like, you know, you know, I don't know, like, nice people or whatever. And then they just put justice for George Floyd in there. And in the tweet, it has, like, a laughing emoji. And so it's a little, so it's a little bit of a shame that they try and use that as, like, content. And then when it actually matters, when, you know, when an anthem is playing and Matt Dumba is the only person – who is making a statement in there, it costs you nothing to raise your fist during the anthem. If you're worried about blowback or whatever, or whatever hockey players have to rationalize with themselves about why not to make a, a you know, a positive um, change with this, raising your fist, it costs you nothing. And he was still alone in that. And it's a shame to see that, that the NHL, I think, you know, I think certain teams are, are handling this the right way, but until a player kneels or, or, or joins in this in this regard, it just seems like all talk, and then that you know the the dichotomy between the tweet and then the lack of actual meaningful action um, during the game, it kind of just goes to show that. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that it's incredibly powerful what Matt Dumba is doing. He's he's a trailblazer in in um, in this regard in hockey, especially. And uh, I really really hope that he never that I really really hope that that he is surrounded by people at least uh, you know in the hockey community and internally that are, you know, that, that give him encouragement to keep doing this and that, you know, the, the toxic kind of part of, of, I guess, culture in general, but also hockey culture doesn't dissuade him from doing this because he, he is making a huge difference and this will be looked back on in history, what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I I mean, I I think one thing that was disappointing and I think you, you, you obviously mentioned it is that, 
no one has joined him. I, I thought there, there needed to be a start, right? And Matthew Dumba provided the start. But where is this going to go now? It can't just be him the rest of the way. There needs to be, there needs to be other players that join, in, uh, join him. There needs to be more conversations had. There needs to be more influential players, with all due respect to Matt Dumba, uh, doing this as well in order mm -hmm. to really kickstart. This is not checking a box. Matt Dumba did not check a box for the NHL. It needs to continue. And one of my other thoughts after uh, seeing really no response from anyone else after Dumba was it really is a shame that Evander Kane isn't here. Yeah. Because Evander Kane wouldn't have let this go. Evander Kane would be talking about this over and over and over again as he should and he would be one that would really be able to get the ball rolling and I think he'd be one that would challenge others to join them in this because uh, as much as Matt Dumba has a strong voice Evander Kane, Kane has I think the strongest voice in in this and, and it shouldn't just be him but he is one name that does stand out and one personality and one and, and a voice that does stand out right now so I, I am a little disappointed that no one else has joined Dumba uh, but I'm also disappointed that Evander Kane isn't here in this moment using the platform that that he has just because he's not in the playoffs. Uh, we need to hear more from Evander Kane because uh, his his voice looms large and needs to be heard. You can wear as many T-shirts as you want. You know, you can put as many, as many you know, graphics around you as you want. But until that's, you know, that's performative it's, it's a billboard it's lettering you need to make positive actual change and Matt Dumba is trying to at the moment single-handedly do that and uh you know change happens best when you know people come together and so hockey's supposed to be a brother hockey's supposed to be you know a, um, a place where everyone kind of comes together and believes in one common goal and the goal is for everyone to be treated equally it, the goal is for black people to not have to fear for their lives and and the you know the hockey world is looking at you it shouldn't just be one person standing alone, you know, making a gesture that essentially says my life matters. You know, he has teammates, he has brothers who are supposed to be, you know, supposed to have his back. There is nothing stopping them. There shouldn't be anything stopping for them. There isn't anything stopping them from joining and supporting them, uh, supporting their quote unquote brother, you know, his hot, his, their, you know, their teammate. They're, you know, from in a, in a situation that is literally life and death for him. So, like I said, it's really disappointing. But I also don't want that to take away from um, just how positive and how, uh, you know, just how historical and, and you know, all around fantastic what, uh, what Matt Dumba is doing um, for this movie. Because, you know, he, you know, he's, like I said, he's going to look back in history books. That, the, the picture of him holding his, him and JT Brown uh, in, when he was on the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning before, those are going to be those are going to be you know powerful images for for young black hockey players growing up and for young black athletes all around the world. Yeah, incredible respect for Dumba. I mean, that is no easy task. I mean, it, it is it is difficult enough to take a knee, uh, but he he memorized a a speech with meaningful words and delivered that at center ice with two teams around him and the world watching as well. Uh, incredibly impressive by him. Now, there's no easy segue from what Matt Dumba's uh, spearheading. Uh, in the NHL, but we are going to move on to a couple other topics. And Nazem Kadri may be providing the moment of the playoffs, even though it was done in a glorified exhibition game, we'll say, but he scored with 0.1 seconds left in regulation to give the Avalanche a win over the St. Louis Blues. Uh, you know, it, it sort of is fitting that a night where the Maple Leafs embarrassed themselves in the playoffs, that Nazem Kadri is doing good things in the playoffs. 
I didn't even think of that angle, man. Oh my God. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's also really nice for Nazem Kadri to make headlines in the playoffs and for them to not be, you know, negative and not be about him being suspended. You know, it's, it's, it's great. He seems like he's having a blast in Colorado and that, did you see the picture of the goal? Oh, it's like, amazing. It, amazing. This is, they, they, we talk about a game of inches. This is literally a game of inches. Like if, if that, I don't know if that, if there was any resistance on that puck, even a, a millisecond, it's not a goal, but just, it's 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 just crazy like that's the that picture right there encapsulates a lot of the magic of sports that is just like anything can happen hockey is the beautiful game that can be summed up in that one picture 0.1 seconds left the puck is a blur and it's just past the goal line incredible it's kind of a waste that it happened when it did though like if that was in game one or game seven of a playoff series where with everybody watching like that happened when other games were on, but the Leaf game was on at that time. I wasn't watching the meaningless Colorado-St. Louis game while the Leafs were playing, obviously. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that it happened then, but it's cool that Nazem Kadri had a pretty cool moment, and at least it brought you know gave us a headline from what's going on in those games that just do not do not seem exciting at all, and it mm. doesn't look like the players even care about them. But that, you know, at least it ended with a bang because that was that it was crazy. My, another awesome picture is the the actual like net cam. Have you, have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it's, you were talking about. Oh, the one that I'm talking about, like the review picture. Oh, the overhead. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's incredible. Like that the puck mm-hmm. is the puck is literally a blur and it's just a little pa- it's, it's crazy. But yeah, that's. Like these are the moments that we missed when sports were gone. You know, it's not even it's not even the you know the 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 flow of the game. It's moments that in these games that we missed, and this and Kadri gave us one to talk about. You know, it's 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 fantastic. Okay, let's go to the last subject, being the mm-hmm. two number twelve seeds, the uh, Chicago Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens, getting game one wins over the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguins and Edmonton Oilers. Those are the two teams that should be most angry with the playoff format because they were just on the outside looking in and now are in this play-in series when really they probably deserve to be at least within the you know the, those eight elite teams or be considered among those elite teams that are just paying, playing meaningless games right now, as I mentioned. But Chicago, Montreal, putting the Penguins and Oilers sort of up against the ropes a little bit, at least backing them in a, into a corner. I think both these teams probably have uh, different likelihoods of actually taking this one nothing lead and turning it into a series victory. I think they both games took on vastly different looks. Uh, do you have an opinion one way or another of whether or not one of them's in trouble or uh, we could actually see one of these number five seeds fall? I don't know. Like it's uh, the the one that shocked me the most was without a doubt Montreal like it's uh, you know Edmonton can Edmonton can choke like we all know that you know they're they're you know they're one play and and as well I mean it's really um it would have been too much to ask for them to overcome McDavid's sullen personality um he's just uh you know Uh, he's clearly a detriment you saying he's not a leader of men no I really don't think he's leader of men he's just too chill he needs to be he needs to be more emotional and then when he when he gets too emotional then he needs to be more chill that's the sliding scale of hockey. It's I think he probably he probably needs to be a little bit more like Nathan McKinnon. I think that would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it needs to be in a couple Tim Hortons commercials. It, it, that that'll do the trick. Um, great analysis. We're off to a hot start when it comes to the <laughs> hockey takes going on here in the bubble. Uh, no, but it's yeah. The Montreal looked like a team that didn't even want to be there uh, when they were playing the Leafs in that exhibition game, and they go out and they take on Crosby and Malkin and all, and you know. The list of na- the list of names you you have on the Pittsburgh Penguins and they beat them 
and it's Jeff Petrie who is not a goal scorer scoring the OT winner. Like it's that that was stunning to me. Um, and but I don't think that I really don't think that that, that Montreal has a shot of really um, stringing this together. And also puts in perspective for Leaf fans that you know if if Montreal came in and spanked the Leafs like you know uh, Columbus did, it would be pandemonium right now. And so and I don't think. Pittsburgh's freaking out right now. I don't know. I don't really have a great pul- uh, finger on the pulse of, of, of their fan base, but uh, no, yeah. On the other hand, Edmonton, if, if they, if they stick with Mike Smith and that was a really weird choice, I don't know why, then uh, it could be trouble. And, and their, their goaltending is a big thing. Like it, both Koskinen and Mike Smith, I wouldn't trust either of them um, in a playoff series. And so it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. So like I said, chaos, it's great. And it would just be great for the content if the Oilers blew it. Yeah, I mean, these are vastly different one nothing leads. I think the Oilers were always – or the Blackhawks were always a difficult matchup for the Oilers, mm-hmm. maybe the worst that they could possibly get, just because they sort of do the two same things. And if, if the Blackhawks could really get hot, they could obviously, uh, at any, in any game, sort of outpoint or outmatch or outstrike the Oilers, even though they have so much firepower and probably two of the best couple players in the league. Uh, and Dreisaitl and McDavid, but the difference is that goaltender. You've got the goaltender who's won a couple cups, and you've got a decision between Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, and Dave Tippett made the wrong decision, frankly, and now there's a lot of pressure on the Oilers. So the weight of the world on their shoulders, and then Chicago's just free roll at the table. We've been here before. We've done it three times already. We don't really have any pressure on us because we shouldn't be here, but we do pretty well when we get here, so I think they're they're probably feeling pretty good, and there's definitely got to be a lot of pressure on the Oilers but I think that pressure is probably not as much on the Penguins because the Penguins have been here before they had that championship medal they know they dominated that game in large part and they ran into Carey Price they knew that was a possibility I think they'll be just fine but not not as uh, confident about the Oilers who it, it would be nice to see you know McDavid involved in in the actual playoff game that the playoff games that he deserved to get to uh, but it looks like we might not even see that yeah you know having two super Superstar uh, players who are making a lot of money at the top of your lineup seems to be a great plan, but uh, clearly, as you know, we're one game in, it hasn't worked out super well. Perfect segue back to the Leafs, who lose two nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to be back. We might not be back every game, but we're going to be back to cover the major talking points in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Live, laugh, Leaf r- returns in the middle of the summer. Uh, we'll see what's next for us. We'll see what's next for the Leafs. But for now. We're going to have to worry and sweat out a 2-0 loss, and all of a sudden the Leafs need to win three of the next four games, or it's going to be a long, long offseason that begins somewhere in the middle of August. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.